Come on, boy, what do you say now, boy? What do you say now, boy? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is Uncle Train and the big dog himself in the morning, sipping cups of joe, farting, taking dukes, cashing checks, all of the above. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a beautiful thing. It feels like we never left, I'll be completely honest. But fortunately for you, we have left, and we are back two weeks later with another episode of some fun-filled baseball news. You know what we do. You love what we do. You might hate what we do, but I can tell you with absolute certainty that whatever we do, you absolutely got to suck it. So that's a guarantee. And you know what we're doing? We're talking Mets. We're talking Yankees. And we're going to do a little bit of highlights um, about the trade deadline. Uh, Big Dog, what's the uh, name for the segment? Um, I believe we were going to call it the the Dookie Delios. Um... <laughs> That was unbelievable. That was insane. Off the cuff, ladies and gentlemen, you're getting unfiltered. Uh, oh, what was the word? Um, unadulterated. Unadulterated. Dookie Yep. The Dookie Delios is our, is our segment for the day. You'll get some good advertisements. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's going to be a wonderful episode. Uh, anything else to add, Big Doug, before we jump into it? It's one of those nights. We're, we're recording a little bit late, so it's a little delirious. Um, it's gonna be wacky. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. Uh, oh, what was it? It's gonna be. Uh, it's, it's gonna, gonna be fun. Be real. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be good fun. Real. Good fun. It's just real. It's gonna be unbelievable. And I think it's important to let the fans know that Uncle Train and the Big Dog. Uh, you know, we're not gonna get. A, we're not gonna get cocky, but the podcast has gone global. Uh, it's not a big deal or anything. That is true. We do want to give a shout out. Uh, we ran some analytics on our uh, on our uh, listening data, and it turns out that we have views. I think ninety five percent of them come from the United States. Uh, no surprise there. Um, we have two percent that comes from Ireland, and Scotland. I think big shout out to uh, Sharon and Dan, good pals over across the pond in Musselboro. Um, that is just outside of Edinburgh, gorgeous city, gotta love it. And then we apparently also have 1% viewing, uh, viewership coming for, or listenership, whatever the fuck the word is, 2%, 1% is coming from, what is this, it's a milk advertisement, ladies and gentlemen, 1%, 2%, yeah, if you want to lose a little bit of weight, trim down a little bit, you don't have to go skim, if you don't want some flavor, you don't want to be drinking white water, you go with the 2%, that's a guarantee, it's a lock. Personally, I drink whole milk. I feel like I'm not. I don't need to go through the uh, the defatting process or whatever it might be. Just give me the milk. I'm not having 50 glasses a day. You know, one glass a day keeps the doctor away, keeps the cows mooing, and keeps everybody happy. Uh, going back to my thought, um, so we get 95% of listenership from the U.S., 2% from Ireland, Scotland. Shout out Sharon and Dan. 1% from Japan. 1% from I think Ukraine or maybe Russia. I don't think it was Russia. We would remember Russia. Oh, no, 1% from Germany. And then 1%, I think, from uh, from Ukraine or so. Or no, Poland. From Poland. So we get listeners all around the globe in Germany, Poland, Japan, um, Scotland, 
and the U.S. So we're touching, really touching down everywhere. This is now officially a global podcast. It's an honor and a privilege to be serving all of you today, tomorrow, and for the rest of time, you'll be listening to Uncle Trent and the Big Dog making fart sounds and taking dukes and cashing checks all the way to the grave. You will be in a nursing home, uh, Knockwood. Hopefully you live that long. If you don't, it's tragedy, but you know you hate to see it. Gotta suck it. And uh, it's really all we got to say. Quite the opener. Jesus. So without further ado, I believe we are going to hit you with a little bit. You know him. You love him. Tommy Rose, sweet pea, how we doing, boy? Come on. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking Mets. We'll talk Yankees later, but for now, the big dog is going to have to put up or shut up. And we sure as hell know that he's not going to shut up, so he's going to have to put up. <laughs> uh, we got plenty to talk about here in the land of the Metropolitans, the more uh, respectable franchise from New York. Of course, we know the Yankees are the evil empire of New York. Absolute sacks of shit, tyrants. Um, and the Metropolitans, uh, I mean, where the, where the hell do we start? Because I really just, I never know which direction we're going. Actually, no, that's a lie. I know exactly which direction we're going. Every single year, we are like, we say that we're on the cusp of, you know, contending. But right now we're five games under 500, you know, and many would argue that we are big duty smellers at this point. Um, now, unfortunately, in typical Mets fashion, no matter who our GM is, whether it's Sandy or whether it's Brody, Brody has said in the last few days, we are far from quitting this season. And you would think when you're five games under at the trade deadline in a shortened season, when there's not much time to make up some ground, maybe we shouldn't really be contending. And maybe, just maybe, we should retain some of our uh, young arms in the Mets farm system. Now, unfortunately, we know that that is literally impossible for Brody Van Wagen not to just have an absolute Mets farm system giveaway sweepstakes for the rest of the major leagues. Um, for some reason, he feels like it feels like he needs to just start dishing out every single prospect that we have in our farm. And you really, you really have to be wondering... What is going on in his mind? Now, this is a season, and I've been saying it since the beginning. I really, this is not a real season. It kind of is just this bullshit mini-game of a season. That's the way I feel. That's the way I stand by it. My rationale is that even if the Mets were to win this season, it would not feel as justified and as special as if it was a normal season. So if they win right now, they haven't. They have not won in my lifetime, and I think we all know that. 86 was the last time we did it. And even if we were to win now, I wouldn't really feel as legitimately satisfied if we said we, the Mets were 2020 World Series champs 
And everyone knows that 2020, whether you think about COVID, whether you think about Trump, absolute piece of shit fucking moron president, no matter how you think of 2020, this year is going to be chapters in a textbook for our future generations. And it's going to be a shit show of a year. So you know there's going to be an asterisk on the 2020 season. To me, similarly how for the awards at the end of the year, MVP, batting title, Cy Young, yeah, it's, a, it's an honor, it's an accomplishment for these guys to win the award, whoever wins the World Series this year, whether it's the Mets or whoever else, you know, congratulations in advance. But the way that I feel is that it really just is not the same. It's not as legitimate, it's not as special. Um, so that's one of the main reasons that I really would not want to be going, quote-unquote, all-in um, on this season. Now, even beyond that, let's just take a look at, you know, some of the moves, obviously, that Brody has done in terms of clean housing, our uh, Mets farm system, and particularly, you know, our, our pitching prospects. So, of course, we've talked about this a million times, the big three that always come to mind in, uh, you know, the last, the last year has been Justin Dunn, Anthony Kay, and Simeon Woods Richardson. Those three were really uh, three of our, you know, top pitching prospects that were coming out of our system, the same system that produced guys like DeGrom, Steven Matz, hometown favorite, Matt Harvey. Again, rest in peace, Matt Harvey, wherever the hell you are. I actually think he recently got promoted to uh, the Royals uh, rotation a couple weeks ago, no? That's, um, that's, uh, that's correct. But either way, I mean, you've seen flashes of, you know, it's at least what Harvey has been able to do and obviously what DeGrom has done. So, you know, the Mets farm system, now we are kind of just depleting everyone. So Justin Dunn, uh, you know, he's he's doing all right with the Mariners this season. I think he's got, what, maybe uh, 30 innings or so under his belt, something like that. But either way, like, he's got a four ERA. He's young, though. He's got time. He still has time to grow. This is his first time up in the majors. But he just threw six scoreless with the Mariners. You know, so now, you know, you're going to see flesh what he could do. Anthony Kay. In small sample size, 15 innings this season with the Jays, he's got a 2.93 ERA. So clearly Anthony Kay, one of our previously touted prospects, no longer with the Mets, killing it with the Jays in the majors this year. And Simeon Woods-Richardson, again, we're going to see what he could do. Um, has yet to reach the majors. He's extremely young, but again, one of the most touted guys to come through the farm in years. Now, earlier in August, we also traded away another pitching prospect, Jordan Humphreys. We traded him for Billy Hamilton earlier in August, and Billy Hamilton is the same kind, exact kind of guy that you got in the Marisnik trade uh, from the Astros. So again, now you're just kind of duplicating efforts. We got the same kind of guys who are riding the bench, coming in late for defense, uh, late for pinch running. Again, look at the guys that you're trading for. It's not like you're trading some you know existing bench player and some cash or something for these guys. Again, starting to deplete our farm system. So what the absolute fuck? Now, this time around at the trade deadline, what happened? Brody decided to dump up. You guessed it. I really can't hide this from you. Yet another pitching prospect from the Mets farm system. This time, Kevin Smith. Ladies and gentlemen, tip the cap to Kevin Smith because it's the last time you're going to tip to him in a Mets uniform. Arrivederci, Kevin. This dude was, he won the uh, Mets minor league pitcher of the year last year. Uh, Over 23 starts. In A and double-A ball, um, he pitched to a 3.15 ERA, southpaw, so you'll have to see guys like that coming up. Unfortunately, he will not be coming up. So we traded him to the Orioles in a last-minute trade at the deadline for potentially the new behemoth of New York, 
Miguel Castro. Miggy Castro. Baby. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Miggy Cass, the castration maestro himself. He is a six foot seven behemoth, uh, taking on the new title of the behemoth himself over from Aaron Judge, who is literally made of glass. So the man has probably already shrunken a couple inches. So he's no longer six foot seven. So yes, in fact, we do have the new behemoth in New York. Um, so, so I have a I have a question for you, Uncle Trey. And so you ask away, big dog. So, here's the thing. Like I, I'm with you. Like as a, if I was a Mets fan, and I would never be a Mets fan because I'm literally not a sewer rat. Um, <laughs> would, would you, um, like, so I, I totally feel that you are upset by the fact that it seems that he just continues to trade prospects. Um, we talked about on the last show that, uh, you know, this really is the Wilpons last chance to go for it be, before Stevie Cohen. Uh, takes over the team. Um, Brody knows that his days are numbered because there is no shot in hell that uh, Steve Cohen is, mm-hmm. is keeping Brody yep. around. So, yep. is is this? And I would I would couple all of that with the fact Jeez. that we got a siren going by. Give me one second. Yep, we get it. We get it. Saving a couple of lot. Is that an ambulance or is that a police? I think that's a, oh, that's definitely an ambulance. All right. Yeah, that's, an, we, that's an ambulance. We'll applaud that. Continue. Michael. So, so what I was going to say is like, you know, you knowing all that and knowing that we are in this uh, wackadookie season yep. uh, where eight, eight teams from the NL are, are making the playoffs mm-hmm. um, and knowing that uh, the, the, be- the benches are literally clearing right now in a Yankees Rays game that really is over. That is over. The game is over, and the Rays are starting shit up. We'll get to that in the Yankee segment. I apologize, but it was just happening right in front of my face. All right. Cool. Anyway, anyway, um, knowing that you know all it takes is basically a five-game win streak to get the Mets back into playoff contention. Yep. And also knowing that the Mets are a, kind of a dangerous team in a three-game series because three-game series is literally a loaded Duke. Um, but you have Jacob Degrom, and and you know Jacob Degrom can can easily put you ahead. He's going to be better than whoever, uh, you know, the the opposing team is is uh, throwing. So knowing all that, do you, do you still have an issue with with Brody, you know, doing that type of thing? Um, I do. You I know, still do. Is it? No, I I, okay. I I still do. Um, again, putting aside the fact that it's a Duke of a season, sixty game. Um, I do have an issue with it because it's the same kind of trend that has landed the dude a ton of ridicule in the past. Um, is just this constant depletion of our of our farm. Look at who he's getting. It's not like right. Right. he's he it, it, it. it's not like he's getting big guys from this. Like what he got from dishing out Kevin Smith again, minor league pitcher of the year last year for the Mets is Miguel Castro, the reliever from uh, the Orioles, who, yeah, he's a big dude, but he, th- th- this is a guy who I know we're looking for bullpen help, right? But if you're looking for bullpen help, how are your fans going to feel more comfortable when you get a guy with a career 4-3 ERA and a 4-0-5 ERA this season? And the thing about Miguel Castro is he's a big dude, he's a power pitcher, so he throws, he, his sinker averages 97.5 miles an hour, and he has... 24 Ks in 15 and two-thirds innings this year. So he's a kind of this power, strikeout, heavy pitcher. But when you tack on this 405 ERA this year, 
you're getting almost an identical guy to Jerry Familia, where yeah, he's gonna he, he might strike out, he might you know get three Ks in an inning, but he's also gonna dish out you know a walk and a homer and leave the inning with two earned runs. So I'm not comfortable continuing to deplete our farm for these mediocre guys. That's that's yeah. that, that's the thing that concerns me. If you're gonna dish out some prospects, you better get something fucking in return that's gonna be valuable and sustainable for the year. But I'm not seeing that in this. That's where I have the issue more so. Yeah, I, I don't blame you for that. Um, I, I totally get that. I think Miguel Castro is the type of guy who, even though the ERA is inflated, you're hoping that the, the stuff can play. Uh, maybe there's there's something that, that Hefner can do, um, you know, a little tweak that, that makes him better. I don't know. I agree with you. Um, I think that uh, I think it's, it's weird uh, that they're continuing to do that. Um, maybe not weird, but... It would be frustrating if uh, I, I uh, rooted for the second-rate team in, in New York. Um, but I would also say, like, Brody has just had such a terrible track record as it pertains to the bullpen. Um, he signed Familia. He traded for Diaz. Diaz is just an embarrassment. Um, and it just hasn't worked. And the one guy who, in Brody's tenure, has... has you know, established himself as as an effective reliever who you can count on is is Seth Lugo, and and you now, take him out of the ball. Now he's in the rotation, right? Which which, which 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 like I said in last episode, it needed that's something that I think needed to happen. And yeah, I, I guess don't think so because you don't have time to stretch him out. So as good as Lugo is, throwing him for like three four innings at a time, mm. you know, before he's stretched out, and then having to rely on you know five six innings of Diaz, Familia. Right. No, uh, right. You're right. You know, You're right. And, and you saw how that broke down against against the Yankees this weekend. And yep. folks, don't uh, worry. Okay, all right. We're the big dog. We're, uh, we're we'll get into the it. Subway Series. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's you just see how that breaks down when you don't have anyone in the pen who you, who you can rely on. Um, right. And you can argue again, you know, maybe this is adding some depth, but it's not the kind of depth that... I now feel, okay, we definitely added a reliable guy, you know, that we can go to in the pen. I, I'm not getting that out of this guy. To me, he's just, he, he's another mediocre power reliever. And I, yeah, I hope maybe Hefner can make some tweaks. That would be great. And maybe, maybe, you know, maybe he brings that ERA down. We feel a bit more comfortable. But until I see it, I'm still going to be that uh, angry, frustrated Mets fan who continues to see all of our pitching prospects get dealt away. Um in trades for either players who we expect to uh, to kick some ass and end up sucking the big fat duke, or players who suck the big fat duke and continue to suck the big fat duke. It's frustrating. Yeah, well. And it really is something that you will never begin to comprehend or even imagine. Which, you know, this weekend, there was a very minor glimpse. A glimp, glimpse. I said, I'm pronouncing that. Does that sound weird? Why does it sound weird? I'm saying glimpse. A glimpse. Glimpse. What was I saying? Glimpse. Glimpse. I was saying glimpse. No, you, glimpse. You, yeah, you did. You did well. You did well. Thank you. We saw a glimpse of the big dog putting the cancel on the Yankees season after a seven-game losing streak. Which, again, us Mets fan, we uh, we have very thick skin. We've been through that a million times, but unfortunately, the doggy duty stain. Pantaloon Meister extraordinaire, 
just has never dealt with something like that. So this is one is an interesting time when you see a Yanks fan the first time, probably in the history of all of, of their lives, they go on a seven-game losing streak and they immediately just hit the cancel, even though they are still over 500, feeling fine, sipping wine, sucking dukes and cashing checks. It's a shame. We'll get to that in the Yanks segment, so I don't want to uh, linger. I just wanted to point out that uh, you you showing you were showing a glimpse of that Mets turmoil and mental frustration and masochism that we all uh, that we're all familiar with. Um, there was a uh, maybe there was a glimpse there, and we will get to it. A uh, glimpse. Because, oh, a glimpse. I think I think I can help with the whole glimp, glimpse. Glimpse. Debacle. I think that, I think that, I think there's a B in there. Oh, a glimpse. Um, but um, okay, I, I I know we're running out of time here, so I, I do just wanna I wanna just highlight you know the rest of the Mets the rest of the Mets of the uh, of the trades that were made. Um, so also at the deadline, going beyond just a uh, uh, Miggy castration, the castration man that we got from the O's. We also we sent two players to be named later. I love that great concept to the Texas Rangers for, ladies and gentlemen, bringing back the Faja father, the Todd father himself. He's coming back to Queens, Flushing. He is the Tom's River boy. They love talking about that on the on the, uh, on the broadcast. He's a local boy, Tom's River, New Jersey. Same hometown as Noah Ritter. Shout out to Noah Ritter. He was uh, on Ellen. That is the kid who says, apparently... Apparently, I've never been on live television before. Um, Noah Ritter's also from uh, Tom's River, which he mispronounces as Tom's Jersey. Uh, you hate to see it, but either way, Noah Ritter, Tom's Jersey, Todd Faja. He kind of is not great. Um, so bringing him back, I mean, maybe he brings some morale to the clubhouse. Maybe he can get uh, Pistol Pete, Big Meat Pete, Alonzo back on track uh, just with that father-like nurturing mentality uh but again he's batting 241 and like 110 or so plate appearances he's only got two dongs seven ribeyes on the year so not like he's adding too much but again jd davis uh looking like he might be hurt jeffy mack when are you coming back he's back but you know again i want to uh we we should be a little cautious of that just because he's been kind of day to day for the last few weeks and then of course also from the rangers we got robinson chirinos uh who Absolutely stinks uh, with the bat. The dude can't hit for shit. Um, he's batting, I think, 119 this year in 42 plate appearances. But overall, he is a defensive catcher. He's great at flame uh, at flaming. He is uh, no, he's great at framing the pitches, and uh, he's very good at blocking the plate as well. And beyond that, you know, again, we're just getting some catching depth. We're sticking with Ramos, it seems, as our go-to catcher. He is our guy as Rojas and Brody have stated before. Um, but again, with Torinos, I'm going to know because we'll see if we start to make a hard push for Real Muto once we go under no management. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Cohen is taking over the ownership from the Wilpons, those sacks of absolute shit and a half. You hate to see it. Um, actually, you love to see it because fuck him. So Steve Cohen, he's going to be fucking shit up next year. Cannot wait. Two billion buckaroonies on the table. Let's go big time. That's all I really got to say about the Mets. I mean, overall, like, we're starting fucking Ariel Urado today against, um... It's the Little Mermaid against the O's. And it's the like, Mets. who the fuck? Little Mermaid, Ariel Urado. You gotta love it. Under the sea. 
Um, just because, like, of course, we're, of course, we're fucking starting in starting Ariel Urado. Who the fuck is that? Um, I'll tell you who the fuck that is. We got him earlier in August from the Rangers. I literally didn't even realize this happened. Um, but these are the kind of guys we're throwing out here at this point. The team is absolutely fucking retarded, and you just kind of got to roll with the punches at this point. So we'll see. I think Brody's going to be done next year. The dude fucking sucks. Cohen's going to just clean house. Bro- it's going to be an absolute be bloodbath. He could not be more sour cream. Sour cream and Dunyan. He is, uh... Brody is going back to the agency world. He is, uh... He's going to be representing all the players that he, uh... He traded for on... Yeah. On, on the Mets. Yeah, um, I hate to say it. You know, Todd Fage. Fage. We're talking Cano. Father. We're talking Cespi. We're talking every single nah, Cespedes, player he, Yeah, who the hell knows what's going on with Cespedes? Boy, we're is, talking. Uh, He's We're talking all his four. old clientele, getting their agent back. They're all going to be thrilled. Mets fans are going to be thrilled because Brody is going to the sun. Um, he's getting launched, baby. He's getting launched. You hate to see it. You got to love it, though, because the dude just fucked our farm in half. The cows, the piggies, um, and the goats are all clamoring for Brody to stop touching the farm because he's burning it to the ground. The stables are absolutely up in flames. The horses are running wild. Wild horses. Ladies and gentlemen, you gotta love the wild horses um, by the stones. It's big time. Now, we are going to call that a segment. I think we're done. I don't really have much more else that I really want to talk about the Mets. They're a very frustrating team right now. Um, You really, really never know what's going on. Um, but either way, I mean, Ricardo Porcello, quick shout out to Ricardo Porcello. There would not be a pod without shouting out the Italian stallion himself. Uh, he had a pretty fucking solid outing against the, uh, the Stankies. Only two earned, four hits across five innings. We'll fucking take it. So it is what it is. He's, yeah. dropping, he's dropping that ERA down, dropping it low. His all August right, August DRA right. is a four three three. Let's just give that a quick shout out. I'm a, Ladies and gentlemen, right. Uncle Train is starting to get off the tracks. And, uh, <laughs> this is what we gotta start, call it. This is what we gotta call the best. Ricardo Porcello. Alright, big shout out to Italian Stallion. Um that's all we got. And I believe now it is a time of the season tour. A word from our sponsors. Tara, Tara, look at her go with a fresh cup of joe. Getting down to work early. She's following her dreams into taxidermy. Uh, it's tax attorney. I read that wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) That's Geico? Really? You'd have no idea that that was a Geico commercial from Adina Menzel singing an absolutely atrocious song. Come on, Adina. That shit um, used to come on like every every single commercial break. And Geico has has had some. They've had some commercials over the years, the Caveman, the Gecko, and now Adina, baby. The I really cannot stand the Geico commercials. I think. They ran way too long with the with the gecko thing to the point where it ended up just being like a very monotone commercial of just the gecko just like talking about like saving car like he'd be like, Oh, I actually saved fifteen thousand dollars on my car insurance. Why switching to Geico? 
And like, and it's like him like walking with like a tiny little coffee mug or something, and like that's the whole thing. And they just they, they they kept running with it. Did you know that taking a Duke in fifteen minutes or less could save you money on your car insurance? I mean, that's a thing. Geico that, is just not. They're not explaining to the general public that you could be. Yeah. You could be taking a big old Duke and saving money on your car insurance at the same time. See, here's they're, the they're thing. Not, is not comparing it well. I'll tell you what you could save on by taking a big old Duke. You buy yourself a tushy bidet and you can save 15% or more on the TP cost. The cost of TP. So you, you, you only need... No, you're saving way more than 15%. Holy shit, you're saving like 80. So ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, I was anti-bidet. Big shout out to Mitchie Mitch. Got me the bidet. Uh, probably should have... So here's the deal. I told him, I'll give you a 10% performance fee on the bidet if I like it. If I don't like it, you got to cover it. And he was so confident that I would like it that he uh, bought me with a bidet, shipped it to my house, and... Here's the thing, though. Mitchie Mitch, I gotta say, this was an opportunity to make some big old-fashioned buckaroonies really thicken up that wallet. Because if anybody knows me, you know that there is probably a 99% chance that I would love using the bidet. And prior to getting this, you know, a month or two ago, and Mitch, this is no, no hard feelings. And again, I appreciate what you've done. You've, I'm a changed man. I'm a made man. I am now a bidet man. Ah, fighter of the night man. Ah, champion of the sun. So either way, Mitch, this was an opportunity for you to make some big old buckaroonies, 10% performance fee. You spend maybe like 100 bucks on a bidet. You are getting some big old bucks in return. I won't tell you how much. I'll let you do the math. But either way, I mean, hey. You spend 500 bucks, and that performance fee, that is a set 10%. You should have hired a financial advisor. Would have done you some good either way. I know, you know, you're doing fine without it, but I'm just saying it was an opportunity. You hate to see it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is time once again Everyone dreads it. The Yankee, we're, we're talking Yankee. We're talking Yankees. Take a big old dookie. Um, the Yanks, they started to slip a little bit. Do not get that twisted. They were on a seven-game losing streak. The big dog himself was basically in a mental fetal position. Uh, or should I say a mental fecal position? Because he was taking dukes and cashing checks inside of his mind. Actually, no, he wasn't cashing checks. He was just taking dukes and letting it run on the walls. You hate to see it. Either way, the Yanks were still above 500. Um, all the while, while this was happening, the Tampa Bay Rays were going on an absolute fucking tear. They uh, they took like eight of their last ten. Meanwhile, the Yanks were shitting the absolute pantaloons. We're talking stains everywhere. Unbelievable. Smelling. They didn't even bother to clean it up. Uh, they just let it sit there like, you know, the, like the man on the end of the subway at the very last car. I hate to see it. Either way, seems like, fortunately, they were playing the fucking Mets in like a 
50 million games over the weekend, it felt. Um, Metropolitans took the first two in the doubleheader sweep, and then Yanks decided to do a little splitskies, but out of splits, how we do, uh, they took the next two. This could have been a four-game sweep by the Metropolitans. After taking those first two games on Friday, Saturday, they had the opportunity to win it. Of course, the bullpen blows it, with Batances chucking a fucking wild pitch way over the head of... Ramos or Nito, probably, but I don't know exactly who it was. Well, no, I can't remember who was batting. Either way, Batances, as poetic as it is, ex-Yankee reliever, comes to the Mets, decides to blow it against his old former team, the evil empire of the Bronx, and then, of course, later that night on Sunday, or actually the next day on Sunday... Um, the Yanks ended up coming back somehow from being down 7-2. to Mets bullpen absolutely stanks the big old-fashioned farts and blow a, um, a beautiful start by the Italian pony boy himself, Riccardo Porcello. Justin Wilson really stanks some farts. And then Jared Hughes and, of course, the cherry on top, Edwin Diaz. Granted, there were a ton of errors that inning. Um... Just some poor decision-making overall. Really hated to see it. Yanks ended up scoring five in the seventh and absolutely fucked our shit. Um, with that being said, it seems like the Yanks might be, you know, uh, kind of getting their stuff back together. That was huge. They lost to the Rays yesterday, but again, they just took the game today. Um, Chapman tried to take off a couple heads by throwing some 101 cheddar cheese behind the head of, uh, what's-his-face on the Rays, um, Mike, Mike Brousseau, Brousseau. Mike Brousseau, the Frenchman, the Frenchman himself. Um, either way, big dog, you got to be shaking in your boots a little bit seeing the Rays atop the standings. Um, it's been a while since the Yanks have dipped, but don't get it twisted. They are four and a half games back right now to the Rays, so how are you feeling right uh... now? We're three and a half. Oh, with that, now, now it's three and a half um, after today. But we are back how? Three and a half. How are you feeling? Um. So first off, unbelievable Subway series. There's no doubt about it. That Friday night, I was just in a devastated state. I will own that. I will wear it. I was, I was texting everyone I knew to sell it, sell it this year at the deadline. You know, just get some pieces because it just did not seem like it was happening. I mean. A seven-game losing streak that you cap off by losing a doubleheader to the lowly Mets, uh, where you were leading in both games. You get walked off in in your own stadium because it's 2020, folks, and that just makes absolutely no sense. Come on, baby. Um, and I was uh, I was breaking down a little bit. I I uh, wasn't feeling it. I was extremely frustrated, um, and I wasn't seeing an end in sight. Uh, the next day, of course, you know, Dylan Batances, he is a Yankee at heart. He, uh, he gifts us one as uh, he throws a, um, you know, pitch over the catcher's head for the Yankees to win it. Probably would have uh, driven the run in. Uh, and uh, then Sunday, folks, was one of the most unbelievable innings of baseball you will ever see. Just one of the wackiest things. Um, you know, as the Yankees come back from 7-2 without really getting a big hit it was unbelievable folks i mean you know you have a couple of walks um you have jimenez dropping the final out at third base on a on a on a 
on a play at third that should have never happened with uh, Tyro Estrada just making a terrible base running decision, lucked out, um, and and then you know you you have Voit hitting a, a dribbler on a check swing through the right side, beating the ship, um, and somehow the Yankees then get Hicks to the plate, Hicks drills a two-run home run to tie the game, 7-7. Seven, seven. Um, and then in the next inning, Chad Green just demolishes the Mets hitters. Um, you know, th three straight strikeouts. Nice to see him getting back on track. And then uh, Urshela with the big hit. And, and even there, you know, there was a play at the plate that, you know, a better throw, um, a tag by a, a catcher who is more defensive-minded than Ramos, you know, makes a difference. And then finally, folks, I mean, just to add insult to injury to the New York Mets season, Gary Sanchez in a situation where he had absolutely no business pinch hitting, folks. Bases loaded, um, you know, bottom or, yeah, top of the eighth, whatever the hell it was because it was 2020, bottom of the eighth, I, I don't even know. Uh, he, he, gets, he pinch hits for cracks with the bases loaded. And I kid you not, as this is happening, I am ranting about how it makes absolutely no sense to pinch hit Sanchez in that situation. I mean, the guy cannot hit, and you are putting him up in a situation where, you know, you need a big hit. The Yankees had to win that game to really, you know, establish that they were back a little bit. And lo and behold, I mean, if you give Sanchez a cookie, he wants that cookie, baby, and he drills a bomb, a mammoth grand slam. Yankees win the game. Yankees win the Subway Series. Thank God we are still the kings of New York. Uh, and and that was the Subway Series for you folks. And that last game was that last game was fucking killer. Because that, that that play at the plate, Conforto threw it like fucking ten feet up the third baseline. And dude, I mean, an easy throw. You, you, I mean, again, it might be a lot asking to nail it home. But if you nail that throw, he's out by a fucking mile. And oh yeah, yeah. He, he, a he had throw. He, it wasn't That's even it. close that throw. It wasn't right. close. So, folks, we got quite the subway series. Uncle Train and the big dog were uh, together through all of it. Uh, safe to say, we were throwing jabs back and forth the entire weekend, folks. You love to see it. Um, anyway, back to the Yankees in general. I'll get to the Rays at the end of this segment because I do have some some thoughts on that. But, um, you know, Yankees not great right now um struggling a lot on the offensive side of the ball i mean it makes sense right you, you you're down judge you just got lemayhu back glaber's out stanton's out um you know urshela had bone spurs so he missed a, a game or two over the weekend but he you know he has mainly been in the lineup but even still every every day it seems like there's something new with this team um, you know, we're forced to play guys like Jordy Mercer uh, with both LeMahieu and Glaber out, and that is yeah. just uh, not what you want to see. I want that guy DFA'd immediately uh, when Glaber is, is activated. Um, Eric and just, Kratz? Oh, Eric, Eric Kratz, who, Kratz. Eric Kratz was actually a better, uh, a better hitter than Gary Sanchez this season by a He's also shot. 40 years old, Eric Kratz. He also... He also did something unbelievable in uh, in game two of the doubleheader on Sunday. He uh, he was running out to you know catch Davy Garcia, who by the way I forgot Davy Garcia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, great, great, great debut start against the Mets. Six yeah. innings, 
one run. Um, wasn't even his fault. It was an error by Voight. Uh, but as as Kratz was was running out to the field in the first inning, he uh, you could hear him scream, "I can't wait to have! I can't wait to play catch with my son." <laughs> oh, that's unbelievable! That's Colin, unbelievable. Colin Davy Garcia, his son, uh, the father-son combo, or uh, Padre as uh, as Davy referred to him was unbelievable. That's a beautiful and thing. I think and now, and now Kratz is staying on the team for, for Davey's next start. You saw you saw Kratz just giving him a giant hug in the dugout a couple of times. That's great. He, he really just uh, he really just seems to care for, for Davey a lot. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, Kratz will be a manager in the major leagues at some point. But anyway, uh, yeah, a, a battered down lineup has caused, you know, issues with hitting with runners in scoring position. Um, you know, they are starting to get some guys back. We've also seen injuries to the pitching staff. I mean, Tommy Canely, James Paxton, Zach Britton. Um, it, it just hasn't stopped from last year. Um, and you can't just scream out to fire the training staff because guess what? They already did it. And it's still not going the way uh, mm-hmm. that we hoped it would. Um, it's unfortunate. That's why you have depth. It's going to take a... Uh, going to take a village this season you know it's going to be who which which full team can withstand this which crazy season which what yeah yeah which who out of tyler wade and mike ford is going to be the unsung hero of the season this time right around? right who's going to figure it out um and that's why you're seeing that the teams that are are the two best in their league so far the rays and the dodgers they're they're teams with tremendous amounts of depth um, and it's playing out that way so far this season. Um, Yankees are starting to get some guys back. We have LeMahieu back. Um, guy just literally rolls out of bed and gets hit. It's um, hits. It's unbelievable. Um, he's hitting 402 on the season. Two tater tots tonight. You love to see it from DJ LeMahieu. Um, and uh, Britain's back. Pitched a beautiful inning uh, tonight against the Rays in the eighth. And so as these guys start to come back, I do expect they will play a little better. Uh, and here's the thing. They are three and a half back of the Rays. It is upsetting. You know, I get upset every time they lose to the Rays. The Rays have had their number this year. Um, but here's the thing, and I said this on the last podcast too. It kind of doesn't matter. And, and we were alluding to this in the Mets segment too. It kind of doesn't matter. Not necessarily for the reason that the season is, uh, you know, a wash to, to a Mets fan who just, you know, everything's a wash to them. But for the but for the fact that there are eight teams that are making the playoffs, I I cannot see a scenario where the Yankees are not one of those eight teams, and home field advantage is not coming into play. So really, what it's about is just get healthy, get everybody back before you know about a week before the postseason starts, and be ready to roll come October. Because let me tell you something: no matter what happens, nobody wants to see the Yankees. In October, they are just a dangerous team. We all know that, you know, if they can get fully healthy or close to it, they do have the best team in the American League. So let's not worry too much yet. Um, and I, that's coming from someone who was extremely worried just three days ago. So I will, I will say that. Um, what else do we got? I mean, everybody's going to be clamoring for me to talk about Garrett Cole. Um, Garrett Cole. I, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say about this. 
Uh, the ERA through through eight starts so far is 3.91. You know, that's not good. Uh, if you watch him pitch, it's, it's kind of weird. I mean, last night against the Rays, he's given up a lot of hard contact when he's getting hit. But then you're watching him pitch, and it's like, damn, this guy, you know, he's got some filthy stuff. He's throwing a 98-mile-per-hour fastball. He's got a nice slider. And, you know, he, he grinds, and he figures out a way to keep them in the game, even if the stuff isn't there. Um, here's what I would say also. Mm. His ERA through eight starts last year, in which he had one of the most dominant years in recent memory by a, a pitcher with 326 strikeouts, I think it was, he had a 4.17 ERA through eight starts. It's a little different this year, obviously, because the season's condensed, but I, I, I wouldn't be so worried about Garrett Cole. Let him get it figured out. This guy, you know, as a Yankee fan, I've gotten to listen to him speak after games, um, and just seeing him talk about pitching, uh, he really is dedicated to the craft. He's a pitching nerd, and, um, you know, he's still one of the best there is, so I'm not too worried about him. Uh, but, yeah, the numbers are alarming. It's weird that he's given up, you know, as many home runs as he has. I think he's tied for the, the major league lead, which is just crazy. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be too worried about it. He, there's still not many uh, that I would want in a one-game, you know, situation over him. Uh, so, so Gary Cole's going to be just fine. Um, I do want to touch on uh, a big-time positive, which is Luke Voigt. So Luke, Luke Voigt. Oh, the, about oh, the Luke? bursting at the seams. Shirt is way too tight. You hate to see it. He is the Matt Olton of the major leagues, folks. And, <laughs> and it's just unbelievable. 13 home runs. He's tied for the major league lead. All we ever hear about is, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. and how unbelievable he is. And he, he is, is unbelievable. I'm not saying he's he's not. unbelievable. And we hear about Nelson Cruz and how he's 40 years old and he can't stop uh, hitting dingers. Somehow, some way, Luke Voigt has the quietest home run lead that we've seen. It's nuts. You know, this deep percentage-wise into his season. In recent memory, that's just gone unnoticed. Um, but the guy is having an unbelievable year. He's also hitting 301, 363 OBP. So... Put a little respect on Luke Voigt's name. Uh, he's he's really uh, turning into a, a really great player this year. Um, and yeah, the the last thing I want to touch on here is is what happened, you know, with the Rays and just the the whole season so far against the Rays and how it's just unfolded. So first off, the Yankees and the Rays hate each other. They they just do not like each other. This, in, in current times, is a bigger rivalry this year than the Yankees-Red Sox. The Red Sox absolutely stink the biggest of farts. They are actually worse than the Mets. It's, it's somehow possible, and, and that's just how bad they are. Um, but the Rays have had the Yankees' number this year. You, you, can't, you can say all you want, you know, the Yankees are, have been hurt. The Rays have been hurt plenty, too. The Rays have plenty of guys on the, uh, on the IL, and, you know... Maybe it's a little different, but, you know, they, they have been hurt and bludgeoned by, by this stuff as well. So, um, you know, you can't chalk it up all to that. But basically, the Rays have, have just held the Yankees down with runners in scoring position. Yankees mm -hmm. hitting, hitting like, I think coming into tonight, like 5 for 51 or something with runners in scoring position against the Rays. I mean, it's just not, you can't win ball games against a team who's, you know, throwing... Uh, 
consistent great pitchers up uh, you know out of the bullpen and in the starting rotation um, you have to get those big hits to win games um, and and look there's there's time to turn it around you know it really matters if they face each other in the playoffs that the Yankees are healthy and uh, you know get that one last shot at them um, and then in regards to what happened with Chapman tonight it's going to be major news. He's a douche. He's a douche. He's an absolute sack of shit. He does not respect women. He does not respect the batters he faces. He chucks absolute cheese balls at their heads. He's trying to injure the guys. What is he doing? What is he doing? So, I mean, you're going to just disregard everything you just said for the most part. The man cannot control his velocity. He can't control his temper. What really can he control? And the fans are wondering... Does Roldis Chapman even deserve to be in the majors at this point, or does he just deserve to be, uh, you know, maybe getting some anger management counseling and just kind of sitting at home, chilling, eating some cheese puffs, instead of throwing those cheddar cheese balls at the players that he is facing at home plate, folks? So anyway, um, I'm sorry that y'all had to listen to that, but... Basically, uh, you know, big situation. Yankees up 5-3. They've lost, like... Six straight to the Rays, and they do have some pride, and they do want to finish first in this division. They do have some doo doo in their pantaloons. That's what they got. And and five three, I just don't think Chapman is throwing up and in on purpose to try and hit someone. It just doesn't make sense. If he did do that, then he doesn't really need to be pitching in the major leagues. That's just not. You know, it's not called... Get him out of here. Get him out of here. But I really do not think that that was the case. No, Um, he's a putz. Great at watching, If you've been watching the Yankees and the Rays all year and last year, the Rays are constantly throwing up and in at the Yankees. Maybe it doesn't get that close. They're not throwing 101 mile an hour tater cheese balls. Come on. You know it. First of all, they have a lot of guys they have a lot of guys who are throwing 98, right? They're not throwing it at they're not head hunting the Yanks Yanks I'm not not. saying what you what you're missing here is that I'm saying that neither team is doing it with malicious intent. If there was malicious intent by Chapman, that's extremely uncalled for. Get him out and it would, you know, you'd hate to see that type of thing. Get gone, Araldis. But, but situationally, it just doesn't make sense that he would have been doing that. Toss him in the uh, cling. The man should not, not see the light of he's day. Not, he's just not the most accurate pitcher. You know, he's, he's also just, a douche. He's a douchey kind of guy. Nobody even really wants to look at him. Nobody wants to face him. Nobody wants to talk to him. He doesn't respect anyone and everybody loves to talk to him to see it loves to talk to him no he's a sack uh, of shit i would never want him on my team ever not in a million years i think you'd take him anyway we're not we're not talking about a roll this chapman the the guy well you kind of have to you kind of do have to to an extent we're talking about we're talking about a roll this chapman did he throw at this guy we're talking about all this chapman the putts is who we're talking about not the guy the putts the grade a level one schmuck putts Get him out of the league. I do not want to see his face. He's got that stupid smile. It's like a wicked kind of smile. You know there is something going on up there. The man has anger issues, and you hate to see it. And he 100% has to suck it. Anything else that you want to highlight about the uh, Yank season right now, Mike? Or can we uh, go on to, uh, what is it, Dookie Deadline? Uh, Dookie Delios. Dookie Delios. No, we can uh, we can go on to Dookie Delios. Uh, 
Tomorrow is, is going to be must-watch TV, Yankees, Rays. Buckle up, folks, because it's going to get a little testy. The boys are going to be chirping at each other, and I think this is, uh, this is the must-watch game of 2020 in the MLB so far. Two of the best teams in the league going at it. Get ready, get hyped. There's a lot of bad blood between these teams, all jokes aside. Uh, it's going to be crazy, folks. Can't wait. All right, you hate to see it. No one will be watching that because the Yankees absolutely stank the big old-fashioned Fartaroonies, but we will move on. we got to figure out an ad uh, for this one. But either way, ladies and gentlemen, a word from our sponsors. 877-393-4448. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's all we yeah. got for you, folks. There was um, more. There's got to be more to it. Don't remember it. That's all we know. I know that's optimum. Tr- okay, the Mets got rocked against the Orioles tonight, nine to five. Yeah, to see it. Ariel, probably, Ariel, the Little Mermaid. Probably turned an optimum triple play. Play eight seven seven three nine three four four four. Hey, you gotta be wondering. I wonder what would happen if you call. It's a triple, awesome triple play. It's got to be phone, internet, cable. Uh, who gives a fuck? Triple play baseball, 2001. One of the most underrated, greatest baseball games. Probably not even underrated. I'm sure a lot of a lot of listeners out there, you know it, you love it. Triple play baseball, 2001 specifically. I know they had a like a home run derby mini game where you could uh, you could play in the stadium was like in a living room and you're basically like a tiny little character in a living room and you can hit like the china cabinet out in um i think in deep left center you could hit like the picture frames you could hit a grandfather clock starts ringing but either way i remember playing uh with the d-backs tony womack that was a hell of a team in triple play baseball 2001 um Gotta love Tony Womack. I think I was also playing with the Trot Nixon era Red Sox back in those times. Unbelievable roster, unbelievable folks. Triple play baseball, 2001, great game. Absolutely have to, you absolutely have to shuck it. Uh, what a lackluster advertisement, Jesus Christ. Not much else to say. Ladies and gentlemen, apologies, but every now and then, you just gotta suck it. So, you know, it is what it is. Rivadarshi. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it feels like we never left. It's now time for the Dookie Delios of the COVID-shortened MLB season trade deadline. Not, my opinion, not many things have happened. Uh, I've heard some people say, oh, I'm a little bit surprised as to uh, all the things that happened. And folks, you got to be wondering, what the fuck did happen? One interesting thing, this kind of overarching theme that I did notice is that there are some teams that you never would have guessed them to start making an actual run at this season. Maybe because they seem, they, they, they think this is the only shot that we're going to have in the next fucking 10 years to win the World Series or even have a run at the playoffs. So you got teams like the Blue Jays coming in. Um, they, uh, they, they got Robbie Ray from Arizona, um, which even then, I mean, what what is Robbie really doing this year? Is he doing anything big? He's um, got 31 walks in 31 innings. Not not sure so that that's what you want not, on the mound. Not great. Who else? They got Jonathan VR, 
uh, VR from, from, from the Miami. Marlins. So that was good. He's a you know a nice uh, versatile infielder to throw yeah, a little I bit mean, of depth I, on the I, offense. So, so I do want to say about a team like Toronto, yeah. Toronto might as well go for it. I mean, this is a team that probably will be good within the next couple of years with mm-hmm. Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio. Uh, that's, actually, that's actually a very, that's a very good point. Yeah, you know, you're right. Why, you're right. why not, why not give them a, uh, a shot? Uh, why not give them a shot this year? Um, just get some postseason experience could probably be good for them. I think a better example of what you're illustrating, and I don't disagree with you is the Miami Marlins. So how about the Miami Marlins trading uh, for Starling Marte, giving yeah. up guys like Caleb Smith and Humberto Mejia? Caleb Smith has has been very good, and and this is the second uh, second trade like this that they've made in a couple of years. That you know, how's you scratching your head a little bit? I mean, Caleb Smith, I understand he was on the COVID IL, but again, he's he showed some promise in the past couple of years, and oh, yeah. I understand they have a lot of depth that you know pitching, but. You're giving up him. And by the way, folks, they gave up Zach Gallen last year to the Arizona Diamondbacks. And Zach Gallen quickly turning himself into one of the better pitchers in the MLB. Gallen so, Jug. So a little weird that uh, that they would choose to give up those arms. I think Arizona did nicely in that deal. Um, Arizona yeah. seems to be one of the teams that's really underperformed this year. Um, you saw they also traded Archie Bradley to the Reds. Uh, but it seems like they had a pretty nice deadline uh, as a team that, that's underperformed. I think something that stood out to me, so I actually disagree with you. I think that quite a bit did happen. Mm. Um, And I think it was interesting to see that uh, even with all this uncertainty around these trades um, and, you know, not knowing, you know, whether the season's going to go on past tomorrow. I mean, I think it's going to, but you really never know under the circumstances. Right. um, And not knowing if the playoffs could be shut down at any time. uh, that, That teams continued to... Uh, you know, talk about deals and execute deals on on guys. Um, we saw, you know, of course, the biggest name moved was Mike Clevenger. I mean, Clevenger, when he's going right, probably a, t- a top 10 to 15 that was, pitcher in, that was the in, big move. in baseball. Yeah. They got about six prospects, the Indians did. This is the second time. Oh, that was a block. That was, that was a big trade. That was a big trade. This is the second time they've done this type of thing in two years at the deadline while still trying to compete. You know, last year they trade Bauer. This year they trade... Uh, Clevenger. What stuck out to me about that deal, besides the fact that they, you know, that they made that deal, is that, you know, people were asking me all day, do you think the Yankees are going to make a run at Clevenger? And my answer was, you know, I don't think that they have a path to get him, because I think that the Indians need an outfielder that can, you know, put up for them every single day and and be a good like power bat. Uh, in the middle of that lineup. And the only guy that the Yankees have that, that fits the bill that's that's healthy that they would actually consider giving up is Clint Frazier. But with everything going on with Stanton and Judge, how could you trade Clint Frazier? I, I mean, you just can't do it given the state of the mm-hmm. team. So, you know, knowing that, I just didn't think they had a shot at it. But then you see the trade come down. You see it it's six prospects that you've never heard of except for Cal Quantrill. And he's a pitcher who, who hasn't fared that well in the major leagues. And you're just left scratching your head a little bit. Um, so See, the thing, and, and also the thing with the Padres trade is that they really didn't touch their farm. At least the, right. you know, the, the they, top guys in their farm. They, they retained Mackenzie Gore, who I you know everyone's eagerly awaiting him. Um, they, they retained like their top six prospects. They didn't I exactly. Mean, you know, yes, yes, they gave up some depth in their in their system. There's no doubt about that. And time will tell what 
what the uh, you know what those players turn into. The Indians do have a, a good track record of of uh, of this stuff, and they are replacing Clevenger with Plesac, who's yeah. who, you know the last I looked is throwing a gem tonight. So you know they they definitely still have a shot. But what I what I think is weird is that the Indians made the trade without addressing what I think they needed to address, um, which was impacting that lineup immediately. Um, this guy Naylor is supposed to be the guy that slots in immediately, but I, I just have not heard of him before, and I, I don't think he's done much at the at the major league level. But um, but yeah, you got to tip your cap to the Padres, uh, really going for it. You know they yeah. see that their rotation, they're one of yeah, their 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 rotation now is feeling it. I think they're feeling it. Yeah, I mean I mean now in a, in a Nelson Lamette, absolute stud. Yeah, how about the fact that in a three game series you have to go through Clevenger. Paddock and Lamette. I mean, Paddock has not been great this year. I think his last Correct. start was a little better, but but still, I mean, you know, that's a that's a tough three. That that's really going to match up with any any front three in the National League. Um, they clearly have the firepower on offense. They they added Mitch Moreland. Um, and Mitch Jimmy, Moreland that's right. Yeah, yeah. So they got they, they got Moreland and Hosmer now, kind of as the uh, as the two guys you know platooning yeah. at, at at first, as yeah, well as could, DH. You could DH one of them. Yeah, um, exactly. They they picked up. Uh, I think they picked up people for the bullpen as well. Um, I'm I'm blanking right now. I apologize for that. You know, it's not too big of a deal. But basically, the Padres really uh, the Padres really you know did well at the deadline. They clearly won the deadline, um, and they're going to be fun to watch uh, moving forward. I was well, they got they got they got Trevor Rosenthal. Oh, that's that was it. that that was that was huge. Trevor Rosenthal has been unbelievable this year uh, right. for the Royals. Now, now pitching in Slam Diego, um, and yeah, they are they're just going to be a very exciting team. I, I listen. Are they World Series contenders? Obviously, because once you get to the dance, you know everyone's doing the cha cha slide. Everyone's doing yeah, the, do the cha cha, and you never know who's going to perform the best. Um, but but are they are they close to what I think the Dodgers are? No, I, I just don't think so. Of course not. Uh, you know, but the Dodgers haven't haven't uh, haven't been able to push through in the postseason. So yeah, you never know. That's the glory of baseball. Um, That's baseball, Susan. And then you know, the only other thing that I thought was interesting, um, you know, we heard rumors all day, but very interesting to me that three of the most uh, respected franchises, as it comes to the front offices uh, in the league, that's the Rays. That's the Dodgers. That's the Yankees. None of them made a move. Um, the Rays did get rid of Jose Martinez. We heard whispers about the Yankees um, and Lance Lynn and Starling Marte and Archie Bradley. None of that came to fruition. Um, you know, we heard rumors about the Rays and Joey Gallo. And just as a Yankees fan, Joey Gallo on the Rays would have been an absolute nightmare because mm. you know he would have figured something out and hit just like 50, 50 home runs. Um, but but also, yeah but, yeah, but, yeah, but the Rays and the Dodgers are two of the hottest teams in baseball. So I don't know why they would really be ones to make a big deal right now. I, th I, 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 they're, I They're feeling fine as well, and they're sitting pretty. They should just continue as is. I think, though, that as a team... If it ain't broke, don't fix like, it, baby. Come on. But but you do, like, in, in a typical year, the best teams are, are making deals, even if they're way ahead of the pack, because what you see is, what you see is that... You want to not just make your team better. You're always looking for opportunities to make your team better. Of course. Um, but you also 
want to like motivate your team. You know, there's there's something about getting that big guy at the deadline that I have to imagine, you know, lights a fire in that room uh, with the guys, with the core, and, and gets them excited. And it's just interesting that, that none of that happened. Um, and speaking of those three teams, because I don't think they – I think all three of them would have been uh, particularly interesting landing spots for Lance Lynn. Kind of mm. surprising that the Rangers did not choose to move Lance Lynn. Um, Lance Lynn is a fucking – absolute ox he is and he is just quietly one of the best pitchers in baseball since last season um and they made this mistake with mike minor last year not capitalizing on that they only have one more year of team control on lance lynn and you know they're not going to be good next year so why not capitalize clearly the asking price was too high um you know because you heard a lot of teams interested you heard the Braves, you heard the Yankees, you heard the Dodgers, and those are all teams that could give you good pieces, but uh, but not this year, folks. Um, and so yeah, it was a uh, it was an interesting deadline. Um, you know, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. What was that? Um, what was the Lance Lynn stat that somebody posted in the uh, Shankwell League? It was like he has the the, the 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 highest active streak of 100 plus pitch games. Yep. Consistently, yeah. I think it's like thirty. It's like thirty games or something, and then the guy, you know, the next guy is maybe six, and then the guy after that is like those five guys tied at two. So Lance Lynn just, is like low key. The dude is throwing a hundred pit plus pitches for the last fucking thirty plus games. That's insane. And that's important. You want a guy who you oh, know, yeah. like you can give him the ball. He's gonna give you a good start. He's gonna. He's eating some innings. He's throwing the pitches out there. Hundred percent. He's uh he's quite good, and it was weird to see him not move. Um, he's a stud. He's a stud. He's, yeah, he's very good. So we'll see how those moves play out for the Padres. We'll see how those moves play out for these other teams who who went in. You know, can't forget the Mets getting Miguel Castro, getting oh, Robinson us at the Let's buzzer. The, we're, we, we're not talking about it anymore. We finished, we'd the, we finished the Mets segment. We'd be remiss if we didn't cap it off with that. No, um, no, no, we're not. But, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's all she wrote, folks. That's all she wrote. A little bit of Duke in the pantaloons. Folks, Rivadarchi, love you. Fuck Trump. Let's go Biden. Come on.